propositions 120 to 139 of the elements of theology by proclus translated by thomas taylor this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards proposition 120 every god possesses in his own hyparxis a providential inspection of the whole of things and a providential energy is primarily in the gods for all other things which are posterior to the gods energize providentially through the participation of them but providence is connascent with the gods for if to impart good to the subjects of providential energy is the prerogative of the providential peculiarity but all the gods are goodnesses either they do not impart themselves to anything and thus nothing will be good in secondary natures and whence will that be derived which subsists according to participation except from those natures that primarily possess peculiarities or if they do impart themselves they impart good and in consequence of this providentially attend to all things providence therefore subsists primarily in the gods for where is the energy which is prior to intellect except in superessential natures but providence pronoia as the name signifies is an energy prior to intellect energia esti pro nu the gods therefore from being gods and from being goodnesses provide for all things and fill all things with the goodness which is prior to intellect proposition 121 every divine nature has indeed for its hyparxis goodness but possesses a power which is unsubdued and at once incomprehensible by all secondary natures for if it providentially attends to the whole of things there is in it a power which has dominion over the subjects of its providential energy through which being unsubdued and uncircumscribed by all things divine natures fill all things with and subject all things to themselves for everything of a ruling nature which is the cause of other things and has dominion over them rules through abundance of power and predominates according to nature the first power therefore is in the gods not indeed having dominion over some things but not over others but equally comprehending in itself according to cause the powers of all beings this power neither being essential nor much less unessential but being connascent with the hyparxis of the gods and superessential moreover the boundaries of all knowledge presubsist uniformly in the gods for 
through divine knowledge which is exempt from the whole of things all other knowledge has a subsistence this knowledge neither being intellectual nor much less being a certain knowledge posterior to intellect but being established according to the divine peculiarity above intellect whether therefore there is a divine knowledge this knowledge is occult and uniform or has the form of the one or whether there is a power uncircumscribed by all things this power is in a similar manner comprehensive of all things or whether there is a divine goodness this goodness defines the hyparxis of the gods for if all things are in the gods knowledge power and goodness are also in them but their hyparxis is characterized by that which is most excellent and their hypostasis also is according to that which is best but this is goodness proposition one hundred twenty two everything divine provides for secondary natures and is exempt from the subjects of its providential care providence neither relaxing the unmingled and unical transcendency of that which is divine nor a separate union abolishing providence for divine beings abiding in their unical nature and in their own hyparxis fill all things with the power of themselves and everything which is able to participate of them enjoys the good which it is capable of receiving according to the measures of its proper hypostasis divine natures in the meantime illuminating beings with good by their very essence or rather prior to essence for that which is divine being nothing else than goodness it supplies all things with an unenvying abundance of good by its very being not making a distribution according to a reasoning process but other things receiving indeed according to their desert and divine natures according to their hyparxis neither therefore in providing for other things do they receive a habitude or alliance with the subjects of their providential care for they benefit all things by being that which they are but every thing which makes by its very essence makes without habitude and with an unrestrained energy for habitude is an addition to essence hence also it is preternatural nor being separate do they withdraw their providential care for thus they would subvert which it is not lawful to say their own hyparxis the peculiarity of which is goodness for it is the province of goodness to extend itself to everything which is able to participate of it and the greatest of all things is not that which is boniform but that which is beneficent either therefore 
no being will possess this beneficent nature, or the gods will possess it prior to beings. For it is not possible that a greater good should be present with the natures that are good by participation, but a less good with those that are primarily good. Proposition 123 Everything divine is itself indeed, on account of its superessential union, ineffable and unknown to all secondary natures, but it is comprehended and known by its participants. Hence, that which is first is alone perfectly unknown as being imparticipable. For all knowledge which subsists through reasoning and language pertains to beings, and in beings possesses the apprehension of truth. For it comes into contact with conceptions, and subsists in intellections. But the gods are beyond all beings. Neither, therefore, is that which is divine doxastic, or the object of opinion, nor is it dianoetic, nor intelligible. For every being is either sensible, and on this account doxastic, or truly existing being, and on this account intelligible. Or it is between these, subsisting as being, and at the same time generation, and on this account is dianoetic. If, therefore, the gods are superessential and subsist prior to beings, there is neither any opinion of them, nor science and dianoia, nor intellection. But the nature of their peculiarities is known by the beings that are suspended from them, and this by a necessary consequence. For the differences of participants are co-divided conformably to the peculiarities of the participated natures. And neither does everything participate of everything, for there is no coordination of things perfectly dissimilar, nor does any casual thing participate of that which is casual, but that which is kindred is conjoined to that which is kindred, and proceeds from that to which it is allied. Proposition 124. Every god knows partible natures impartably, temporal natures without time, things which are not necessary necessarily, mutable natures immutably, and in short, all things in a manner more excellent than the order of the things known. 4. If everything which is with the gods is with them according to their peculiarity, it is evident that the knowledge in the gods of things inferior will not subsist according to the nature of the inferior things, but according to the exempt transcendency of the gods. Hence, their knowledge of multiplied and passive natures will be uniform and impassive. If, therefore, the object of knowledge is partible, divine knowledge will be impartible. If the objects that are known are mutable, 
the knowledge of the gods will be immutable. If they are contingent, they will be known by the gods necessarily, and if they are indefinite, definitely. For that which is divine does not receive knowledge from subordinate beings, in order that thus the knowledge may be such as is the nature of the thing known. But subordinate beings become indefinite about the definite nature of the gods, are changed about their immutability, receive passively that which is impassive in them, and temporally that which in them is without time. For it is possible for subordinate to be surpassed by more excellent natures, but it is not lawful for the gods to receive anything from beings inferior to themselves. Proposition 125. Every god, from that order from which he began to unfold himself into light, proceeds through all secondary natures, always indeed multiplying and dividing the communications of himself, but preserving the peculiarity of his own hypostasis. 4. Progressions being effected through diminution, first natures are everywhere after a manner multiplied into the decrements of secondary natures. But these proceeding according to a similitude to their producing causes, receive their orderly distribution, so that the whole of that which proceeds is after a manner the same with, and different from, that which abides, through its diminution indeed, appearing to be different, but through continuity with its cause, not departing from sameness with it. But such as that which abides is among first, such is that which proceeds among secondary natures, and thus an indissoluble communion of the series is preserved. Each of the gods, therefore, is unfolded into light appropriately in the orders in which he makes his evolution, but he proceeds from thence as far as to the last of things through the generative power of first natures. He is always, however, multiplied according to a progression from unity into multitude, but he preserves sameness in the progression through the similitude of the things that proceed to the leader and primary cause of each series. Proposition 126. Every god who is nearer to the one is more total, but the god who is more remote from it is more partial. For the god who is the cause of a greater number of effects is nearer to that which produces all things, but he who is the cause of a less number is more remote from it, and he, indeed, who is the cause of a greater number of effects, is more total, but he who is the cause of a less number is more partial. And each, indeed, is a unity, but the one is greater, and the other less in power. The more partial gods, also, are generated from the more total, the latter not being divided, 
for they are unities, nor changed in quality, for they are immovable, nor multiplied by habitude, for they are unmingled. But they generate secondary progressions from themselves, which are the decrements of the natures prior to them, through abundance of power. Proposition 127 Everything divine is especially primarily simple, and on this account most sufficient to itself. For that it is indeed simple is evident from its union, since everything divine is most unical. But a thing of this kind is transcendently simple. That it is also most sufficient to itself may be learnt by considering that a composite nature is indigent, if not of other things to which it is external, yet of those things of which it is composed. But that which is most simple and unical, and which establishes itself in the good, is most sufficient to itself. Such, however, is everything divine. Neither, therefore, is it indigent of other things existing as goodness itself, nor of things requisite to composition, because it is unical. Proposition 128. Every god, when participated by natures nearer to himself, is participated without a medium. But when participated by natures more remote from himself, the participation is through a less or greater number of media. For the former, through their alliance being uniform, are immediately able to participate of the divine unities. But the latter, through their diminution and extension into multitude, require other things which are more united in order that they may participate of the unities themselves, and not of things united. For united multitude subsists between unity itself and divided multitude, being indeed able to coalesce with unity, but allied in a certain respect to divided multitude through the representation of multitude. Proposition 129. Every divine body is divine through a deified soul, but every soul is divine through a divine intellect, and every intellect is divine through the participation of a divine unity, and unity indeed is of itself a god. Intellect is most divine, soul is divine, but body is deiform. For if every number of the gods is above intellect, but participations are effected through kindred and similar natures, the impartable essence will primarily participate of the superessential unities. But the nature which comes into contact with generation will participate of them secondarily, and generation in the third place. Each of these likewise participates of them 
through the proximately superior natures. And the peculiarity of the gods indeed proceeds as far as to the last of things in its participants, but through media allied to itself. For unity, indeed, imparts the transcendent power of itself to the first intellect among divine natures, and causes this intellect to be like itself according to unical multitude. But through intellect it is also present with soul, conjoining soul with intellect, and co-inflaming it with divine fire, when this intellect is participable. And through the echo of soul, imparting also to body its own peculiarity, if it is a body which participates something of soul. And thus body becomes not only animated and intellectual, but also divine. For it receives life indeed and motion from soul, but indissoluble permanency from intellect, and divine union from participated unity. For each of these imparts its own hyparxis to the subsequent natures. Proposition 130. In every divine order, such things as are first are in a greater degree exempt from the natures proximately arranged under them, than these latter are from things subsequent. And secondary natures in a greater degree adhere to their proximate superiors than following natures to these. For by how much more unical and total anything is, by so much the more is it allotted a greater transcendency with respect to subsequent natures, and by how much the more diminished it is according to power, by so much the more is it connascent with the natures posterior to itself. And more elevated natures indeed are more united with their more principal causes, but inferior natures are less united with them. For it is the province of a greater power to be more exempt from subordinate, and to be more united to better natures, as, on the contrary, it is the province of a diminution of power to recede in a greater degree from more excellent, and to be co-passive with subordinate natures. And this happens to secondary, but not to first natures, in every order of things. Proposition 131. Every god begins his own energy from himself. For he first exhibits the peculiarity of his presence with secondary natures in himself, because he imparts himself to other things also according to his own exuberant plenitude. For neither is deficiency adapted to the gods, nor fullness alone. For everything deficient is imperfect, and not being itself perfect, it is impossible it should make another thing to be perfect. But that which is full is alone sufficient to itself, 
and is not yet prepared to communicate. It is necessary, therefore, that the nature which fills other things, and which extends to other things the communications of itself, should be superplenary, or exuberantly full. Hence, if a divine nature fills all things from itself with the good which it contains in itself, it is exuberantly full. And if this be the case, establishing first in itself the peculiarity which it imparts to others, it will extend to them the communications of superplenary goodness. Proposition 132 all the orders of the gods are bound in union by a medium. 4. All the progressions of beings are effected through similars, and much more will the orders of the gods possess an indissoluble continuity, as subsisting uniformly, and being defined according to the one, which is the principal cause of their existence. The decrements, therefore, are produced unitedly, and alone according to the similitude in beings of secondary to first natures, and this because the hyparxis of the gods much more consists in union than the subsistence of beings. All the divine genera, therefore, are bound together by appropriate media and first natures do not proceed into progressions perfectly different without a medium, but through the genera common to each, from which they proceed, and of which they are immediately the causes. For these congregate the extremes into one union, being spread under some things connascently, but proximately exempt from others, and they preserve the well-ordered generation of divine natures. Proposition 133 Every god is a beneficent unity, or an unific, enopios, goodness, and each, so far as a god, possesses this hyparxis. The first god, however, is simply good and simply one, but each posterior to the first is a certain goodness and a certain unity. For the divine peculiarity distinguishes the unities and goodnesses of the gods, so that each, according to a certain peculiarity of goodness, such as that of perfecting, or connectedly containing, or defending, benefits all things. For each of these is a certain good, but not every good. But the first God pre-establishes a unical cause. Hence, that is the good as giving subsistence to all goodness. For all the hyparxes of the gods are not together equal to the one, so great a transcendency is the first god allotted with respect to the multitude of the gods. Proposition 134 Every divine intellect intellectually perceives indeed 
as intellect, but energizes providentially as a god. For it is the illustrious prerogative of intellect to know beings, and to have its perfection in intellections. But it is the province of a god to energize providentially, and to fill all things with good. This communication, however, and replenishing with good, is accomplished through the union of the replenishing natures with the causes prior to themselves, which intellect, also imitating, passes into sameness with intelligibles. A divine intellect, therefore, so far as it energizes providentially, is a god, providence being established in an energy prior to intellect. Hence, as a god, it imparts itself to all things, but as intellect, it is not present with all things. For a divine nature extends to things into which the intellectual peculiarity does not proceed. For beings which are without intellect desire to energize providentially, and to participate of a certain good. But this is because all things indeed do not aspire after intellect, not even all such as are able to participate of it. All things, however, aspire after good, and hasten to obtain it. Proposition 135 Every divine unity is participated by some being immediately, or without a medium, and every deified nature is extended to one divine unity, as many also, as are the participated unities, so many are the participating genera of beings. For neither two or more unities are participated by one being. For, since the peculiarities in the unities are different, must not that which is connascent with each be different also, since contact is effected through similitude? Nor is one unity participated in a divided manner by many beings for many beings are unadapted to be conjoined with unity, and as beings they are unconjoined with the unity which is prior to beings, and as many they are separated from unity. It is necessary, however, that the thing which participates should be partly similar to that which is participated, and partly different and dissimilar since, therefore, that which participates is something belonging to beings, but unity is superessential, and according to this they are dissimilar, it is necessary that the participant should be one, in order that, according to this, it may be similar to the one which is participated, though of these the latter is one, in such a manner as to be unity but the former, so as to be passive to the one, and to be united through the participation of unity. Proposition 136 
every god who is more total and arranged nearer to the first is participated by a more total genus of beings but the god who is more partial and more remote from the first is participated by a more partial genus of beings and as being is to being so is one divine unity to another for if unities are as many in number as beings and vice versa and one unity is participated by one being it is evident that the order of beings proceeds according to the order of the unities being assimilated to the order prior to beings and more total beings indeed are connascent with more total unities but more partial beings with more partial unities for if this were not the case again similars would be conjoined with dissimilars and there would not be a distribution according to desert these things however are impossible since from thence the one and an appropriate measure are luminously imparted to all things and from these proceed much more therefore will there be an order of participation in these similars being suspended as much as possible from similars proposition one hundred thirty seven every unity in conjunction with the one gives subsistence to the being which participates of it for the one as it gives subsistence to all things so likewise it is the cause of the participated unities and of beings suspended from these unities but the unity belonging to every being produces the peculiarity which shines forth in that particular being and the one indeed is the cause of existence simply but unity is the cause of alliance because it is connascent with the one hence unity is that which of itself defines the being which participates of it and essentially exhibits in itself a superessential peculiarity for everywhere from that which is primary that which is secondary is that which it is if therefore there is a certain superessential peculiarity of deity this also belongs to the being which participates of it superessentially proposition one hundred thirty eight of all the deified natures which participate of the divine peculiarity the first and highest is being itself for if being is beyond intellect and life as has been demonstrated and if it is also after the one the cause of the greatest number of effects being will be the highest deified nature for it is more single than life and intellect and is on this account entirely more venerable but there is not anything else prior to it except the one for prior to unical multitude 
what else can there be except the one? But being is unical multitude, as consisting of bound and infinity. And in short, the superessential one is prior to essence. Since also, in the illuminations which are imparted to secondary natures, the one alone extends beyond being. But being is immediately posterior to the one. For that which is being in capacity, but is not yet being, is nevertheless according to its own nature one. And that which follows the being that is in capacity is now being in energy. Hence, in the principles of things, non-being is immediately beyond being, as something more excellent, and no other than the one itself. Proposition 139. All things which participate of the divine unities originate indeed from being, but end in a corporeal nature. For being is the first of participants, but body the last. For we say that there are divine bodies. For the highest of all the genera of bodies, souls and intellects, are attributed to the gods, that in every order things analogous to the gods may connect and preserve secondary natures, and that each number may be a whole, containing all things in itself, according to the whole which is in a part, and possessing prior to other things the divine peculiarity. The divine genus, therefore, subsists corporeally, psychically, and intellectually. And it is evident that all these are divine according to participation. For that which is primarily divine subsists in the unities. Hence, the participants of the divine unities originate indeed from being, but end in a corporeal nature. End of Proposition 139